Welcome back, all of you best hour of their day fans. We hope you enjoyed yesterday's interview with Joe Teepy, owner of the Strip CrossFit. I have an OG, an absolute legend in the CrossFit world on today's podcast. His name is Steve Liberati. If you've never heard of Steve, chances are you've never been to the greater New Jersey area. We talk all about New Jersey, New York, the Northeast, but you've probably seen some of Steve's products, and they're available all over the country now at Whole Foods, at Sprouts, at other grocery stores, Steve's Paleo Goods. What's super cool about today's interview is I met Steve, hard to believe, over 10 years ago now, when he would literally show up to competitions to the local, regional, or sectional events back in the day that happened in my boxes, Albany CrossFit's parking lot, with baggies of jerky, literally Ziploc bags of jerky of what would eventually become his Paleo Crunch. He eventually started showing up with salad dressings, and it's just an inspirational story of someone that worked hard, did things for the right reasons, and ultimately was able to grow his business tremendously, but he still does it for those same values to give back to the kids in Camden, New Jersey. Steve's Club is still helping kids, and it's really awesome to see. So enjoy this interview. We're going to take you through the whole lengthy story of when Steve started, when we've met, the impact he's had on his region of New Jersey, how he's gotten into some of these bigger chain grocery stores and what that's meant for him as an individual, as a business, and of course, as a CrossFit affiliate. I'm super proud of Steve. Every time I go into Whole Foods and I see his product, it excites me because it just is so inspirational to me. It just shows what hard work, what dedication, and what following your dreams can do. I am someone that always believes in quit your job. Forget about that eight-hour time suck of something you hate and go do something that makes you happy. I'm 41 years old and I was lucky enough to be able to do that my entire life. You know, I went from being a college graduate to a personal trainer making $8 an hour at Gold's Gym to eventually owning three CrossFit affiliates and achieving so much more And it was a grind. It was a hustle. There was a lot of days where I questioned why I was doing it, how long I continued doing it for. And Steve's no different. And I hope that if you listen to this podcast, we inspire you. You know, it's not as easy as I make it sound to quit your job, to leave your crappy relationship, uh, to, you know, talk to your family about the problems you have. But I hope that we give you just a little bit of inspiration when you listen to Best Hour of Their Day. And if I can help one person, change their life. That makes me happy. And Steve Liberati has helped thousands of people change their lives. So it's my true pleasure and honor to bring to you this interview with Steve Liberati. All right, Steve, do you remember when we met? Yes, I do. Well, oh, okay. I didn't. So tell me where we met. It was a long time ago. Many, many years ago. Now, I believe it was at the, uh, at the CrossFit Regional uh, event at your place, so Albany CrossFit, in probably like 2010, I want to say, 2011, if my you, memory serves me right. 
you had a team. Was Denise Thomas on your team? Yes, correct. Okay, so it was like Denise was a Lee on the team? Yes. And who are your guys? Uh, it was Pat Burns. Oh, was that the guy with the like tribal tattoos? Yes. All right. It's got, he blew out his Achilles, didn't he? Uh, he did. Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, Jesse Crespo. All right. Um, and my 15 seconds of fame was being Austin Maliolo in a workout. You beat him in an individual workout? Yes. Which one? The, the three clean and jerks? No, it was actually um, thrusters and pull-ups. And the pull-ups were on a, pull, on a rig that was swaying back and forth. <laughs> that we all had to sign waivers as saying that if we die, Jason Ackerman is not responsible in any way. <laughs> that, I, you know, I wrote about that in the new book. And um, I've had a lot of people, you know, um, uh, what's his name from Long Island? He goes by Tata, Ty, oh, Tyler. He goes by like Tata Tyler or something on Instagram. Remember Tyler McBride? Oh, yes, I do, actually. Yeah, so he complains still to this day that I cost him a spot at the games because the lanes were uneven on the sled push. I think that was the next year, though. (laughs) I remember that as well. So, yeah, you and I go back pretty far. And then after that, after you did beat Austin in that workout, you you had us up to New Jersey or down to New Jersey, I guess. Well, after I beat him, I retired. That's all. That was my career. Right <laughs> yeah, you got to go out on top. You know, I'm reading about Muhammad Ali right now. He stayed on too long. You you did it right. You got your win. Yeah. You get out of there. <laughs> um, you know, and the the big you know, other than you've been involved in a very long for a very long time, you have two really cool things about you re- related to CrossFit is that you're like the first food company that came out of CrossFit. Yes. I mean, you're really the first company. Do you, is that true? Did they, was there anyone else doing anything before you? I believe uh, it was, there was other companies. So I, we definitely were not the first company. I, I believe that maybe the first food company, it was us in Paleo Treats. Um, but I remember there was a company, like a t-shirt company called Forged. Oh yeah, Forged was out. Maybe maybe sin was around back then after brutality i think he was after yeah around that time but i mean you were the first true crossfit entrepreneur did did you have an entrepreneurial background prior to that not really i do remember though um going to the second crossfit games um just having a in the vendor village there was it was literally us and maybe three other companies yeah, it was probably like AzRx or Life as RX, you know, those companies. They back. were there. We sold out in like the second day and we just stood around all day on the last day and watched all the events. So it was like perfect. And you're really one of the only ones still around though. Um, there's a few, uh, but not many. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and thriving. I mean, I think I text you, this is probably going back like two or three years ago. I remember the first time I saw your stuff in like a Whole Foods and I was like, holy shit. Steve has done it. Like he's in Whole Foods. Like it was the, um, you know, like the granola. And I was like, wow, this is, I, I was just taken aback. And to me, it was so cool that like a friend in this small little company, and I was not like in New York at the time. It was, I forget where I was. It was like across the country. And I was like, wow, he's done it. So did you do any, were you an entrepreneur prior to CrossFit? Uh, prior to that, not necessarily. I did work with my dad's um, exterminating company, and that's where I first started Steve's Club. So I did learn a lot from him. Um, got a lot of firsthand experience. Um, my dad taught me a lot. I 
I went to business school um, at university and, you know, got some of the textbook uh, business background, but that really, in looking back, wasn't very, very useful. Um, yeah, it's all about that experience. Yeah, I was having that conversation with someone recently, how he wished he had gone back to, you know, learn business. And I said, but you're so successful now. Who's to say if you went to school, you would have taken the same risks. You might have tried to be two by the books. That's true. Yeah. Um, and also, I think a part of it is learning what you don't want to do. I think that's that's a big, that's half of it. You didn't want to be an exterminator the rest of your life? Well, no, I, I came out of, I studied economics and did finance and worked for a big, big bank, uh, having a really, really cool title and having a, you know, wearing a, a shirt and tie and made my parents really proud. Um, but that's, I, you know, I, I've, I quickly realized that that's not what I want to do. I didn't want to be on a corporate treadmill and sit behind a desk and try to compete with people a lot smarter than myself. Um, and that we're willing to work till 10 o'clock at night when it was like 4:59. I was ready to bounce. It's I wanted to get out of there and work out and, you know, live life. So were you, were your parents upset when you left that in order to start a paleo company? I mean, at the time paleo wasn't a buzz, but your parents probably had no idea what that meant. Parents, I have to say, I'll give them credit. Um, they were, they were always very, very supportive. We always had uh, my brother and my sisters always went through different phases and, had crazy ideas and they were always pretty supportive. Um, so they weren't like super disappointed. Um, when I first started Steve's club, um, so before probably two years before starting a food company, um, they were a little taken back. They were definitely a little worried. Um, they weren't, I kind of, they weren't sure the direction I was going with it. And they were just concerned about my safety, just being in Camden after hours, um, working with these, you know, kids in the inner city. Um, so that was definitely, they didn't know what, what kind of career that will lead to. Um, so there was a lot of questions there. So so let's make it clear. You have Steve's Paleo Goods, which is the food company, but then you had Steve's Club, which started a little earlier. And, and for those that don't know Camden, New Jersey, that's like the homicide capital of the United States. Is it the most dangerous city in the country? I don't know if it still has the title. Um, it's, well, that's because you fixed it up. <laughs> yeah i'm solely responsible no I, I think it is it's definitely one of the top cities it's uh it's actually it's a really small city it's only 10 square miles um but yeah it's it's definitely not a very nice place to grow up in a lot of drugs and gangs and violence so what made you leave corporate america to basically open a gym to help troubled youth yeah i first started working with my dad at pest control and i thought i was gonna um you know take over take over the company and start delegating and bossing people around behind my desk. And he laughed. He's like, now you have to get out there, learn from the bottom up. And uh, he gave me a route working in the, uh, you know, in the tough neighborhoods of Camden, um, out of section eight housing complexes. And, uh, that's where I started. And I got, I got to meet a lot of kids and in meeting kids, I was kind of, you know, surprised. I, I thought a lot of these kids had just bad attitudes and, um, you know, they were just kind of like, lack of a better word, just kind of punks and then go to find out, you know, it's not what I was uh, expecting. And a lot of my stereotypes were wrong. Uh, really good kids, good attitudes, good ahead on their shoulders, um, smart kids, uh, very athletic. And that's when I kind of, I, I, I saw the need to kind of start something to help them out and uh, to give them the guidance they needed to help get to the next step and stay on the right path. So what, what was the path for you from, all right, I'm meeting these kids on my route as an exterminator to, I now have a box where the kids are welcome to come and train. Yeah. Well, so there's a few steps before that. Um, so before I even had a, a CrossFit box, I was just, um, 
I was really, I was just following CrossFit.com. I was on the message boards. And at this time, keep at the time, keep in mind, it was very underground. So there wasn't, I don't recall, actually, I don't think there was any affiliates in the, in the nearby area. There might've been one. It was uh, CrossFit Philly. Um, and the guy, I don't believe he no longer runs it. It was a guy, I think Jason and Pam, they end up getting a uh, karate, but they were like the first CrossFit in the whole tri-state area. I right. Mean, I mean, you had to leave the state to go find a box. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was really into what I was doing at my house and telling people, I'm like, listen, will you stop wasting your time with all this, uh, you know, Globo stuff and you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. This is how you do it. This is how you work out. Stop wasting your time. You, you were a Globo gym guy previously. Yeah. I went to the gym, you know, I worked out. I didn't know what I was doing. Started, you know, I definitely read all the magazines and followed a few different programs and thought I was, you know, smarter than the average guy there. Did, do you remember your first CrossFit workout? Um, I do. It was uh, Nancy. So um, you, I mean, most people, their first day, they can't overhead squat. You were overhead squatting on your first workout? With like a broomstick. <laughs> oh, so you, okay. So you were like, I can't do with this with, I think Nancy's at 95 pounds. Like I'm going to use this broomstick, r- probably running on a treadmill. And I was running around my neighborhood. And that, and you and you were hooked after that? I was hooked after that. I, I was, you know, working out really hard, you know, four or five times a week. And then I did one workout that took me 15 minutes and I was smoked. <laughs> it really made me rethink about fitness. Like, what am I doing here? And, you know, it was more than just looking good, looking the part, um, you know, with these dumb muscles. But it was instead, you know, just muscles that were functional. Mm-hmm. And I was, I got smoked in that workout and that told me actually, you know, I wasn't, it made me question and ask myself, am I in, in good shape? Am I in the shape I think I am? Yeah. A lot of people, you know, they come to that crossroads and they either ask themselves that question or they think to themselves, this is dumb. Exactly. And they don't do it. So you put your ego aside. So what was the journey? How long from that first workout of Nancy to doing something on your own, your own establishment? Yeah. So then uh, in that time, you know, I kept, you know, learning more about CrossFit. I would go on, read the videos. I subscribed to the journal and just really just then it kind of, you know, I started evolving more into looking over overall strength training. Um, it just really got me interested in learning a lot about the the whole strength and fitness community. Um, and then uh, while, so while working for my dad in Camden, um, you know, I just had, I started brainstorming all, all these ideas, like, how do I make a career out of this? How do I get involved in the you know, bringing this CrossFit thing that I love doing, bring it to more people. And, um, you know, once while getting to working with the kids, it just, it, it just really just all came together. And the light bulb went off and said like a group workout that, you know, that allowed me to uh, get the kids hooked. Um, and then I could use that to kind of talk to them and help them develop some, you know, just one-on-one kind of for personal development and whatnot. Like this was the perfect, the perfect bridge. Um, and it, that's kind of how it started. You know, I just kind of, I, I asked the property manager um, at one of uh, one of our accounts if I could use some space. We, we rented some space out and um, had a few, I invited a few kids over. We put on the music. I told them what we were doing. Uh, they bought into my idea and uh, they loved it. That's right away? They, they were in? They were, they didn't give you any pushback on it? No, they didn't. They were, they were, they were, had a lot of energy, you know, just looking for something to do. I mean, these are kids that played sports that were running around the neighborhood. Um, you know, I talked to them prior to, and I explained to them that I was a strength and conditioning coach. I could help them with sports. I kind of maybe overstated my credentials. Um, but you know, built a little credibility and then I got them, got them in on the first day. 
So this is maybe 2008, 2009, you know, yeah. back then it must've been like, okay, we'll see what happens. But now we're 10 years later. What, you know, what are some of the accomplishments you've had, be, you know, or these kids have had because of you, you know, and I'm not meaning like, Hey, toot your own horn, but I mean, you yeah. probably, I'm not, not probably you changed a lot of these kids lives. So what are some of the great examples you can just share with the listeners? Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of different kids that came through. Um, I mean, I could think of, I still keep in touch with a lot of the kids. Um, a lot of them have went off to college um, and graduated. That's a big deal, probably. Big deal. Absolutely. And I can't say that I'm solely responsible. Hopefully, there was some part that influenced them, that kept them on the right path. Um, I mean, I do believe a lot of it with CrossFit is not always tangible. You know, um, I mean, outside of the physical improvements, some have really, really made fitness part of their life, um, you know, working out every day. They're competing locally. Some stop working out. Uh, but outside of all that, I, I do think that it does make people better. Um, and you can always measure that. Um, but I do think that it just makes people become better humans overall. Do you hear from any of the parents? Do the parents reach out and, and thank you? Not necessarily. No, not really. Um, you know, I think that was always a gap. I always over the years and how many kids that came through Steve's club, I honestly, I could say I probably only met a handful of the parents. Um, I don't, I don't think a lot of them even knew where their kids were. Um, so that was always, it kind of always surprised me, um, that a lot of them didn't know and the kids just found a way to come here. Um, but yeah, our most recently, one of our success stories is a kid named Jeremy. Um, he went to a local high school. He got, he came over to Steve's club, got involved with Steve's club probably when he was like 14 um, he ended up paying his way through college. So he was a janitor at the high school he graduated from. Um, he was a custodian at night. Now they call it a custodian, a little more formal. Yeah. Um, so he paid his way through, uh, Rutgers university. Oh, great. I, would, I just had a guest on who went there as well. Yeah. So great university. You know, this was no satellite. This was the real, real campus. Um, he was a math major. He paid his whole way through school. He recently graduated and then he got a job as a math teacher at his old high school. The same one he was, he's like Goodwill hunting. Goodwill hunting. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's all because of you. That's, that, yeah. I, mean, I know I've had other coaches on and I wrote something about it recently. I think like I'm very much in agreement with you. It's like some of that stuff is you, you can't really quantify it. Exactly. You know, but those changing you know, them. You can call it the black box or like Coach Glassman would say, the greatest adaptation happens between the ears. But that's Absolutely. really, really awesome that, to see that. I, I remember being there and they were they were great kids. They beat me into that. I remember when, when I was there, we did 50 deadlifts at 225 for time. Yeah, I remember you know? that. So that was terrible. Austin, I think, won that. Yeah. Did oh. it in like a minute. <laughs> So where was the transition or it wasn't so much a transition, but an addition of the, the food company? Yeah. So then like uh, probably about a year or two later after doing Steve's club and kind of starting that and that started cut growing, getting more kids and really start uh, looking to, I kind of more formalized it and turned it into a nonprofit, um, you know, kind of realized that we were, we had expenses and we had to figure out a way to cover our expenses and there was insurance and it became, you know, a little, little, I guess, company, if you will. Um, then it was a probably, but yeah, about a year later, I put the kids on a, on a little challenge on a fitness challenge or a, a diet challenge. It was a combination. And I said, whoever loses the most weight after six to eight weeks, I would take them to anywhere in the area for lunch. 
that was part of the prize. Um, yeah. So we did like a weight test. We did a strength test. So they didn't just lose weight. They also had to continue to maintain their fitness. And, um, and look, a week later they came back and said, Steve, we're trying our best, but during the school day, it's just so hard to find anything to eat. You know, we, there's nothing to eat in the cafeteria and we're not bringing any brown bags. You know, that's, nobody does that. Yeah. I said, all right, well, let me see what I can do to help. And, and at the time we used to, I made my own jerky at the house. Um, loved eating jerky on the go for some reason that that was my thing. Um, and I put it together in a little bag with some dried fruits and nuts and I, I passed them out to all the kids. I said, here you go. This could help, you know, kind of give you some extra fuel throughout the day. And they loved it. And they kept asking for more. And I, we'd make it at home. My wife and I cutting up jer- meat in the kitchen at 12 o'clock at night. And, uh, eventually one of the kids was like, why don't you put that online? You know, we could, you know, like the Girl Scouts, you could raise some money for our club and we could buy more equipment. And at first I wrote them off and then eventually I put it online and sure enough, the thing went viral. Um, orders started coming in and that's kind of how it all started. So it was one of the kids really that had the idea to sell it. Yeah. He's like, why don't you put this online? I think people bought it. Your jerky's really, really good. What are you doing? <laughs> and that was probably before you were like vacuum sealing it too. Um, that was before we, yeah, at the time we were just put them in like a home vacuum sealer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really like Walmart, you know, you buy it for like 30 bucks at Walmart. So that was the original, what, what did you call? I mean, I remember the, the, it'd be all over your fingers for hours after you ate it. Yeah. What did well, you at first, at first it was called a survival kit. And then when we, we, we quickly changed it to the paleo kit. So that so was that, the paleo kit with the blue label. Correct. Right. And then yep. eventually you kind of extended out. There were some different sizes, varieties. The strawberries were so good. In yeah. Those. And then, like- um, yeah, we quickly, then we teamed up with the local. I mean, I realized that we were on to something. Um, there was definitely a demand out there and there was, a, I guess, a void in the marketplace, right? Um, people were looking for healthy snacks on the go. I teamed up with the local university um, and they had a whole entire food incubator program. Um so we worked with them. They, they taught us all about the food safety and we would, uh, we, I would bring over like a van full of kids every day. Um, they would help us package it. They had all the equipment. Um, so that was like a big pivotal point in the company, you know, just uh, building that foundation and doing it right. And, and, you know, and I think it's, it was so cool because you, you knew when you were buying those back then that you were supporting a good cause as well. You know, you get there cards or you know you'd have one of the kids on it you would give like handwritten notes and then when I finally got there seeing the kids actually work on it was really cool you know you're basically you know all all in-house with the same kids that you're you're taking them off the streets and and not only just making them work out but teaching them life lessons now exactly yep yep yeah it served two purposes first it was also first to raise money and then the second part they worked um so it gave them like an you know opportunity to make money in a legit way. And so it, it really kind of, it all came together. It worked out pretty nicely. And you knew nothing about this other than you were making it in your, I mean, you didn't have a background in food or any of that. No, I, I didn't. Um, no, you I just, to keep like rodents out of the kitchen because of your exterminating background, but you didn't know the ins and outs, margins, all that stuff. No, I didn't know any of that. I mean, I was, you know, I consider myself a pretty quick learner if I, if I'm really interested in something. Um, and this was just like, it filled all my passions. I love food. I love cooking. You know, I love working with kids. It just, it kind of, yeah, I guess the stars aligned and, you know, gave me the career that kind of was perfect for me. 
So you started with the one, the paleo kit. How many products do you have today, um, you know, 10 years later? Oh, 10 years later, we have too many. So we're, we're now in the process of trying to cut skews. Well, I mean, you had, you had dressings, you had paleo sticks, yeah. granola, you had the granola bars, the tubs. Yeah. I so we have, we, have, well, we have over 100 products. And, and what's, what have you learned? What's ideal for a company your size? Um, in terms of products, a product mix? Yeah, how many? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it really depends on, every company's different. It depends on where, who your mark, target market is, where your channels are. Uh, we have more of like an omni, omni-channel approach. So we're in multi, multiple channels. We have retail, we have direct online, we work with independents. So we have a lot of different channels. Um, and each one has a different kind of portfolio. Um, but ideally, for a small company starting out, if I was going to give any advice, I'd really stay, I, I would advise to stay focused on uh, maybe, you know, three to five products, one product line. And n- knowing that now, w- what's your what's your best seller? Well, the best seller in terms of volume is probably sear, is the granola, the grainless granola. So the Pelo Crunch grainless granola, um, that's in the most places. So that has the, that's in the most retail stores. And that comes in the new kind of nicer package. Correct. You know, yep. I mean, back in the day, it was a tub. It was like the same tub you get yeah. in Chinese food. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, online, we sell a lot of jerky. That seems to be very popular. Um, but yeah, you got to think like when starting out, there wasn't as much competition. So we quickly, you know, realized that there was a need for different categories that nobody was doing really well. And, you know, we quickly identified different categories, uh, whether it was the dressings, the dried fruit, and said, hey, we could do this really well. We can offer a really good product. Um, now, fast forward to today, if you were, if we were to start, if I was to start Steve's Paleo Goods, I definitely would not come out with as many products. But, you know, when I started it and the timing I did, it kind of, it made sense at the time. So, so how do you learn that? You know, for example, I remember you all of a sudden had dressings. Yeah. How did, you know, it makes sense. Jerky, you know, you eat jerky as a kid. You, you, okay, I need to have jerky. What goes through your mind when you're like, I'm, well, I'm going to make some dressing now? Yeah. Um, I mean, the easy answer is to say I was looking myself for, you know, a good dressing and couldn't find one. I mean, that's partly it. Um, but I'm not going to lie and say that it wasn't also like an opportunity to marketplace. Um, I didn't think anybody was doing it really well. Um, and then, like, we always followed the mantra of meats, nuts, seeds, fruits. Um, what's, the, what's the saying? I know you said it a million times. Meats, vegetables, nuts, seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. See that? I knew you could rehearse it a lot better yeah. than I could. <laughs> exactly. So, like, that was our overarching, you know, kind of what we want to stay within, our parameters. Um, so we tried to cover all those bases and do each one as well as we could. Whether, the, you know, the jerky for the meat, we had the fruit, the dried fruits, uh, the granola for the nuts, um, the dressings help people kind of, you know, just add more flavor to their real food. Um, and then most recently we just acquired another small company, um, that does a whole line of fermented product and that covered the whole vegetable part of it. So you you acquired Zuke live foods. That's more like kimchi sauerkraut type stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, fermented, uh, fermented food, um, the kimchi, um, the, this, the kraut is, is really popular. And then, uh, we also have a line of gut shots or gut power, we call them. Um, so shots of gut power, they're two ounce little shots. And, uh, all we do is we get, we, we, um, we get organic vegetables, we press them 
all the juices that come out and we let them ferment um, for four to six weeks. They sit in these big vats um, and that's where they collect all the live probiotic cultures. And uh, that turns into a little shot and, you know, people throw them back. It's, it's good for gut health, uh, your immune system, and just an overall kind of well, wellness shot. I'm huge into that stuff. I love kimchi and sauerkraut and I have some every night with dinner. Just, I came back from a level one in Greece, so sick. And that was one of the best things I ever did to fix up my stomach. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of personal uh, uh, digestive issues myself over the last couple of years. And I kind of, you know, looked for ways of fixing my gut, like I guess natural ways. Um, and, you know, just in all my research, I, I kind of, I, I, I found that, eating a lot of vegetables and uh, introducing a lot of fermented foods in your diet really makes a huge difference. So let me ask you a question. You and I haven't discussed this. What was your feeling when RX sold for like a couple billion dollars? <laughs> so I guess I would have to honestly say like, <laughs> you're about to answer it diplomatically. I can tell 15% of my brain was probably jealous. Yeah. Like, wow. Good for them. Small snack company. That could have been us. Um, but no, honestly, I I think uh, I was, I mean, it's, it's, their story is one of the most impressive stories out there. Um, he did it without raising any capital, which I don't know, honestly, any other company, food company that has done that. Um, so that, that says a lot. Um, it's just really impressive. And I think, you know, they, they created, uh, Marx has created a whole, a whole category, um, around just healthy eating, um, clean, clean food, uh, minimum ingredients. Um, they did a really good job with all that. Um, and you know, they, they deserve it at the end of the day. Are you friendly with the owner? I can't say I'm friendly, but I'm not unfriendly. I, I haven't really met him in person. Okay. I didn't know if you had, a, I was like, I'm, I'm curious to know like what his lifestyle went from, you know, making these bars in his mom's basement to, I don't, you know, an incredible amount of money, like women and money right now. Yeah. You know, he's, um, I don't know what they sold for, but it was an incredible amount, right? 600 million. Yeah, that's a good amount. And um, <laughs> so I just wonder how his life has changed over those, you know, seven, eight years. Well, apparently he's still working for the company. So that's that's kind of what a lot of companies are doing now, the food companies. They're selling to the to big food, to the bigger companies and still running the ship um, as like as a separate company where they have their own autonomy and running the same team. Yeah. And it's, you know, every time, you know, speaking of like Whole Foods, every time we're there, there's a new product by them too. Now. They, yes. We just saw like a jar of peanut butter that's theirs now. Yeah. Um, so when these big companies take over, they, I guess they try to squeeze as much out as, of the money as they can to get their investment back. And they quickly just come out with line extensions and new flavors and trying to expand it, I guess, to, you know, to places that it's not in. So is that, the goal of yours to be acquired by somebody like Kellogg's or do you want to, do you foresee yourself running Steve's paleo goods forever? Well, if I had a choice and uh, if there was a crystal ball and somebody said I could do this forever, I would. Um, it's also very challenging to run a small company, small food company. It's very competitive. Um, it does require a lot of capital to compete with the other companies out there that are well capitalized. Um, so it's very challenging. Um, if I continue to do it, I would. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, sometime down the road, I could see, you know, perhaps kind of combining resources maybe with a bigger company. Um, that way I can expand, expand the product reach or our brand awareness. Um, and then, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, if, you know, the more, the better that Steve's Pilot Goods does, we can give a kickback to Steve's club 
and um, that that will help overall, you know, just build the uh, the Steve's Club program. Um, and that's ultimately that would put the biggest smile on my face more than anything. Right. So the 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 goal and vision of the company hasn't changed. It's still to help the kids. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's a huge driving force. That's like the engine behind what we do. Um, we started Steve. I started Steve's Club before the food company. Um, so it's definitely not just marketing and something we could just put on a package to separate us. I mean, it's really who we are. Um, what we do. I run Steve's Club every day. Um, we have our leadership camp at the end of July, where we invite 25 to 30 kids from our Steve's Clubs all over the country um, for just an a entire week, immersion week um, at Fort Indian Town Gap. It's a military base about an hour and a half from here in Pensalkin. Um, we have a lot of different leaders in the community that come in. Um, this year, we have some special guests. Um, we have, who do we have this year? Escape my memory because a few of them from, from CrossFit from the CrossFit world. Yeah, I'm sorry, Todd. So I, uh, Todd, the head. Uh, I think you worked with Todd, right, at the level ones. Todd Whitman. Yeah, Todd Whitman. Uh, yeah, yeah, big deal. Yeah, yeah, real big deal. So we're really excited to have Todd, and then also Tosh is going to be a guest this year. Two awesome people and two huge badasses. Exactly. Badasses. I, I just saw your face, like. You have yeah. a lot of, I can tell you have a lot of respect for those guys. Yeah, yeah. Tosh and I actually did our level two together back. I had Spieler on recently. Spieler, Tosh, and I were all were all at the same level two. But if you've not seen Tosh, he's the guy that ran twenty four hours in a shipping container, oh. and um, I think he ran nearly a hundred miles. You know, but it was all about being in the dark, no sensory. You know, and um, yeah, just. A, you know, Google Brian Contosh, C-H-O-N-T-O-S-H, and you'll see some, you know, for the listeners, you'll see how amazing that guy is. Yeah, well, he's a, he's an incredible uh, person. Um, so is Todd. Todd, we're extremely, extremely excited to have both of them. And it just goes to show like this, you know, this whole CrossFit and how big the community is, even despite how big the sport of CrossFit has become and even how many affiliates are out there. Like, you know, there's still just some really good selfless individuals. Um, I mean, he's, they're donating their time. They're, they're flying out to, I mean, Fort Indian Town Gap in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and I know they have lots of other things they could be doing with their time. Um, so it just speaks volumes about, you know, the type of people in our community. So when you were coaching these kids and when you do coach them, what has been your biggest lesson in, in working with them? Um, I guess like overall when we're coaching, um, just the, the, the biggest lesson is the reason they're, they're there. Um, I get really excited, you know, to teach them about CrossFit and to help them become a better athlete. Um, cause I know that translates into the other aspects of their life. Um, then, you know, they'll take that home and they'll just, you know, overall feel better about themselves and, you know, they'll have more of a, I guess, inclination to kind of surround themselves with the right people. Like it just, there's so many transfer things just, just from basically making them a better athlete in the gym. Um, so I try to keep in mind the reason they're there though, you know, like, so rather than getting too caught up into all the minute details of like learning to clean, which is very important. Um, you know, it's important for them to feel like they're a part of something bigger and, you know, they're a part of this whole atmosphere that's just, uh, you know, a positive place for them to get away from it all. Um, so I tr constantly try to just make the environment, um, just a high energy, you know, a really fun place. 
Um, and then, you know, I, I do really put a lot of emphasis on the coaching. Um, you know, I, we have done that since day one. We want them to make sure they're doing it correctly. They're learning the right movements. Um, it's not just having kids, you know, blast on music and popping out air squats and jumping on the pull-up bar. Like, you know, we, we do coach here and uh, we, we put a lot, a lot of, uh, we take a lot of pride in that. Um, but overall, you know, it's important that they're part of a, that they make the environment what it is. Sounds like you're someone that's just helping people have the best hour of their day. Exactly. You just summed it up the best. <laughs> In four words. Um, <laughs> so I always like to ask every guest that's that's on the show a book they recommend that the listeners read. Ooh, ah, good one. Um, I recently read a book called, this is just because this topic is is hot in my world right now. Um, and it's something that's helped me. It's called a healthy gut, healthy you. Um, it's a very good book on just kind of naturally fixing your gut health. Um, I know a lot of people have different gut issues, um, especially in like the fitness and health community, just years of, you know, being taught, just pounding protein shakes. You know, if you're on a super strict keto diet, which all that is fine and well and good and all, and I don't have any strong opinions on them, but you know, all that does change the gut flora and it changes your gut health. So I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a really good, uh, it's, I highly recommend that book. Definitely something people should take more of an interest in, you know, everybody's into tracking macros or counting these days to eat the right amount, which is obviously important, but you also need to know what's going on on the inside. And like I said, I had a really, I mean, I was messed up for about three months and that was when I was like, okay, I need to take, you know, the, the, probiotics and I need to yes. you know, really be aware of what I'm, what I'm doing. And it, for me, it's like, well, I might as well just continue it. Cause I feel good. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's obviously everything's always individual, but um, I mean, it doesn't matter what you eat. I mean, as long as like the most important thing is first that you're digesting it correctly um, and that you have all the, you know, good bacteria to fight it off. Um, all that stuff is so important. You can really focus on the macros. You can focus on the quantities, the qualities, you can go down the list. Um, but if, if you're not digesting it and you don't have, you know, a good gut floor, then it, it really doesn't matter. So over 10 years later, how do you stay motivated to work out? Ooh, um, how do I stay motivated? Well, I'm assuming you're working out still. You look good. <laughs> you know, what are you, are you hitting CrossFit workouts right now? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I guess in the last probably 12 years, um, taking a few breaks, but yeah, I've always continued to work out. I mean, I've always kind of been self-motivated with that on my own. Um, when I don't work out, I feel terrible. So it's definitely the best alternative. Um, but honestly, yeah, like, I mean, I guess it's just easy. Um, I have, you know, I work out with the kids, um, during Steve's club. So I'll spend, you know, the first half hour teaching everything. And then, you know, I'll get in there. And as long as there's nobody that's like brand spanking new, um, I'll get in there and work out with them. So it's kind of really just put myself, you know, once you're in that atmosphere and you're around the right people, it makes it so much easier. Have, have any of the kids gotten to the point in their time with you where they got better than you? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I would say, uh, let's say today we do a workout at four o'clock and we have 10 kids. I would say um, at least three or four beat me by a round. That's, that's not good enough, Steve. That's not <laughs> <No>. acceptable. <laughs> uh, 
that's not saying a whole lot because I'm not, you know, saying I'm the best athlete, but a lot of these kids have really kind of taken it to the next level uh, in terms of their commitment. I mean, they come here on, on days off. I mean, they're, they're spending time learning the olive, like they're, they're putting a lot of time into it. So going from beating Austin Maliolo to losing to the kids of Camden. That's the, <laughs> that's the Steve Liberati story. Um, well, you also have to keep in mind back in the day, we're all weekend warriors. If you worked out twice a day, you're considered nuts. We worked out four times a week and competed. So, you know, you know, and, and not to mention back then, I mean, how old are you now? Uh, I'll be 40 in January. So, so you, you know, you know, those of us that were, you know, co- competing back then, we were already 30. Yeah. You know, or, or nearly 30. The guys coming up these days, I mean, I had Dallin Pepper on recently, the 17-year-old champ. He's trying to go right to the games at 18. You know, that's <laughs> an unfair – you test his testosterone next to a guy in his 40s. It's, it's you know, not fair, but I'm well, sure – Well, you hear people say that age doesn't matter, but it's – that's I mean, physiologically, that's not true. It does matter. Back in the day, you know, there's people like Bill Grundler. I remember him specifically not wanting to go to Masters. Because yeah. back then it was like, okay, the – 35 40 year olds can hang this day this day and age so it's a whole different sport oh yeah it's like it's the same thing in pro sports i mean look at a professional hockey players baseball players they're 18 to 21 year olds they have the recovery they have you know they have the testosterone it's just yeah it favors the young guy I'm, i'm sure part of you no one likes to lose but it must be nice to see that these kids you know are choosing to be exercising working out versus you know hanging in the street. So I'm, I'm sure there's part of you that's happy they're beating you. Absolutely. And they're, they're making it their lifestyle, you know, and my, my whole thing is like, I can only reach so many kids, but if I could reach the right ones, then they can in turn become beacons in the community and they can kind of turn around and they could teach it to kids if they're really, really into it. So, you know, it's not about how many kids I could teach directly, but it's about how many, you know, just kind of spreading it. So it has that ripple effect. So, and do the kids just kind of show up with other buddies and they're like, Hey, this is the place I was telling you about. Exactly. It's all been word of mouth, um, through the years. Um, yeah, we have a class every day at four o'clock. It's a structured class. Um, but kids come in like there's some open gym time coming on their own, but yeah, of course, everybody kind of gets the bug and they, they always bring in some friends. How many kids would you say have come through the doors? Uh, so I would say, I mean, over in the last 10 years, yeah, let's say maybe a hundred each year. So a thousand kids you've influenced. Yeah. I mean, probably more or less, but the number, you know, it's like anything else. It's really the quality. Um, yeah. I would rather have five kids in the class, kids that want to be there. They're not forced to be there. They're, they're coachable. They're going to go out in a community and, you know, teach it to somebody else. They're going to be here for every day, all year round, rain, snow, doesn't matter. I want those five kids. I don't want 20 kids in the class just to say I have 20 kids and look at this. Right. I don't get any commission. I, I don't have a for-profit model. So that doesn't matter to me. It's not about the numbers. Have you gotten any thanks from the community outside of what you're, you know, internally, like did the police department come over? Did, did people come over? And, you know, I think sometimes it's just the people I have on, we forget how much of an influence we've had. And it's hard sometimes. It's a little thankless to be a coach at times. Have you heard it from the community at all? Uh, yeah, you get you get things every once in a while. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was on, you got a headline on the front page of the paper, and I'm not looking for that. I can yeah. honestly say that. Um, I do because I see it out of my own eyes. 
and just the relationships that I build with the kids and I see the differences in, in their attitudes, um, that's enough for me. But yeah, I don't really need, I guess, you know, a plaque or, you know, a, a shout out. Um, that's cool and all, but, you know, at this point in doing it, I guess you could say I'm doing it selfishly because I'm happy to see the difference it makes. Well, I'll give you a little shout out because it's been really cool to see, you know, I still get a little bit of a goosebump feeling every time I see Steve's Club stuff at Whole Foods or wherever I am. Wow. So it's, it's really, I mean, it's in the, some big places these days. Um, so yeah. it's, it's really cool to see that. I feel like I had a really small part in this, you know, when we used to order it and sell it at Albany CrossFit. And truth be told, I ate most of that. <laughs> uh, you know, so we'd sell it, but I would just, all the coaches would just basically snack on it. That was definitely losing money on that, but it was well worth it. So you, like once you started snacking so much, you like, you all of a sudden had like this 12 pack. Is that, <laughs> that, that was, that was a big part of it. I mean, the, the, the beauty of it that I still love about it is you can track it. The macros are right on there. Yeah. You know, the meat sticks are easy when you want just a little bit of protein. You can keep, they're great on the, on the road. Um, even in, in the, and the kits are still delicious. I love this, you know, the, the varieties that you now offer. If, if someone hadn't heard of you, where can they go to buy some? Uh, the best thing is online, uh, directly online. That's, that's the best place. Um, Steve's Um, we're, we're, we're also in a lot of different retailers, Whole Foods, um, Kroger, a lot of small mom and pops. Um, we recently got into sprouts. Um, so you'll see us in sprouts in, uh, in the next two months. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, yeah, just that, you know, you can find us in different retailers, but yeah, the best place is always online. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. We just had a sprouts open literally across the street. So oh, cool. we'll see you in there soon, but it's been great catching up with you. Anything I missed, anything you want to mention or talk about? I think you covered it all. Um, I tried to, I take some notes. I do a little research. I knew you pretty well. It's been, it's been great catching up and, um, We'll have to get a rematch of you in Austin at some point. <laughs> Once Austin hits, you know, ten more years. When he gets to forty, we'll have a we'll have a rematch. We'll get the that rig is still there, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it would be safe to say that Austin would probably beat me if it was like ten rounds for time. Yeah, he he would probably beat me uh, by quite a long shot there. He's it's amazing to see that his progress as well. Yeah, that. Uh, that rig is there. It's like a monument. Now it is cemented into the ground versus just sitting above the cement. So it's um, it's a little more of a useful apparatus these days. Well, it always impresses me too. I have to throw this out there, give uh, Austin the credit he deserves. Is you know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of good athletes. Um, a lot of the athletes are younger. They have a lot of time. It always impressed me with Austin that he had his career. Uh, he now has a family, so he is balancing so much. Um, being the head trainer at Reebok. He's also involved from my understanding of the business side. He was doing the certs. So that, that impressed me more than anything. Somebody that can that maintain that balance, uh, which is juggling so many things in their plate. Um, that's, that's pretty impressive where they're able to keep fitness, you know, a big part of their life. Yeah. I always refer to him as the hardest working man in CrossFit. So it's, uh, it's good to have him as a friend and he's a, he's a really, both you guys, you know, that's the beauty of CrossFit. You just meet some amazing people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Thanks again, Steve, for coming on. And I hope everybody goes and checks you guys out if they haven't already. It's delicious. It's, it's good for you, and it supports a great cause. Thanks for having me today, Jason. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, one more time, please 
Leave us a review on Apple Podcast and send us any feedback you have to at best hour of their day on Instagram and best hour of their day at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. We appreciate you. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day.